You want it. You need it. It's what everyone's talking about. The Kevin Sheehan Show. Now, here's Kevin. You're listening to The Sports Fix. Good morning, everybody, or good day, everybody, or good evening, everybody. It depends on when you're listening. It Who really are you? does. Who are you, John Walton? Good morning, good afternoon, and good night. Good night, John boy. Good night, Elizabeth. <laughs> Not uh, that John Walton. You see, if you listened to a Caps radio broadcast, oh, yeah. says, good you night, would ever Pittsburgh know, or whatever at the you end. would know what I'm talking Tommy, about. Honest, but you are so unplugged Tommy, from, I from the un- world. I am unplugged from radio Caps play-by-play. <laughs> I will tell you that. And I've heard John is pretty good at what he does. Yes, and he, he is. And we've had him on the show, and, and not what, this podcast, but I've had him on the show the before. where he says his call is good morning, good, good evening, and good night. Right. And so yeah, last night so, it was good night Pittsburgh. Yes, it was. It was good night Pittsburgh. And uh, almost good night TJ Oshie, who took a beating from uh, from Malkin. I have a couple of things on the game last night, which I will get to momentarily. But I want to mention that this show is presented by Window Nation. If you're in the market for windows, call eight six six ninety Nation or go to windownation.com and tell them we told you to call Scott Van Pelt later in the show. Only guest today, Scott. Aaron got a little upset with me yesterday. I had four guests on the show. Four guests? I had Doc on the show. I had Gary Williams on the show. I had Tim Murray on the show. And I had Chelsea Janes on the show. She had broken the Bryce Harper story about the offer. And I just, I don't know why we did that yesterday. Um, I can tell you this. We probably won't do that again. Okay. <laughs> so it didn't go well. No, it went fine. I, I love all those people. And, yes. the, and the segments, for me, were all good and informative. Um, but I'm just saying that, you know, I think four guests are too many. You know, I, I, I'm just kind of shocked because the more guests you have on, the less opportunity you have to talk. Exactly. That so, should have been a good thing. Yes. So the Caps won last night. In wait a minute. Wait a minute. I'm a little out of sorts. Here you are out of sorts. I mean, you came in here. You haven't smiled once. You you barely looked up. What were you eating? You got a, a big loaf of French bread there. French bread and milk, baby. <laughs> that, that that's your that's, that's your lunch. That's my breakfast. That's your breakfast. Yes, I He's, stop at the Safeway, grab a loaf of French bread, little thing of milk, whole milk. Yeah, French bread, yep. little French baguette. Tommy walked in with a baguette, but it's it's not it's not it's not easy in my pay. Look, you've got me all messed up because you gave me homework for this show, and and I I don't like that. No, you don't. I don't like being told. What we're going to talk about. No, you really don't. You are, I swear to God, and this is the thing about Tom, and I've said it for years about Tom. He is high maintenance. This is a myth. He is, he can be so difficult, and there are only a few of us that get him and can understand how to work around that. But he is upset this morning because I called him early this morning to say, hey, I want you to think about a couple of things for a segment that I want to do on the Redskins. And he doesn't like to be told to prepare for anything. No. Unless it's his idea. <laughs> if it's his idea and everybody else is preparing, he's fine with that. Because when we did our radio show, we would always get together at the end of the show, you, me, Mark Stern, yes. our producer, and we would sit in my office or your office, usually mine, because it was yours was just this shrine built to you and it got annoying after a while. And we would come up with ideas for the next day or the rest of the week. Yours, I might add, was like a prison cell. I know it was. Um, it was done uh, in, on purpose that way. And when you came up with an idea, man, you left that day, you were happy. <laughs> 
when you came up with an idea. But if it was someone else's idea, you just sort of trudged out of there. Oh, God, I got to go study or I got to go prepare for the show. You know, this high maintenance thing is a myth. <laughs> I mean, like I've always said, this is this is the thing about me. What? It's my simplicity that makes me complicated. Yeah. I'm a simple man. You are a very simple man, but you are also very much a lone ranger. You are happy when you have complete control over everything you do for an entire day. I guarantee you it's difficult for you to take direction from your wife, from anybody that's been in your life. You don't like to be told what you do, even if it's the simplest of instructions. Excuse me. My name is Kettle. Hello, Mr. Pot. <laughs> no, I'm much more coachable than you. Much more. Uh, real quickly on the Caps game, if you missed it, Oshie took some big hits last night. Yeah. One one from Mata, a stick to the face that I think ended up being um, a cut that caused stitches. And then the big hit from Malkin. Malkin got a five-minute major. Some people thinking he'll get more than I that. I think he'll get suspended. And that at least a game or more that knocked Oshi out twice in the game, and then he was back in the game at the end to hit the game, hit winner, the game winner with a minute thirteen left. Now in the post game press conference, he seemed a little confused. Why? I mean, he wasn't answering the questions quite right. I mean, he really look. This is a guy with with a history of concussions. Uh, like every look, you could say that about every hockey player has a history of concussions. He just seemed a little bit off in the post-game press conference, and he even joked about it uh, at, at, at one point. Uh, so, But it's a big win, you know. I mean, Pittsburgh's struggling right now, but it's still a big win. Uh, Holtby had uh, his best game of the season. I think he stopped 41 shots. So uh, They were outshot 42-22 to 22 yeah. in the game. Uh, Carlson's two assists were great. The, the first one to Ovechkin, the look away on the power play, was a great assist. What's interesting about these two teams, they've played every kind of conceivable game against each other forever. The first game this year was 7-6. to six, Yes. And this one was 2-1. to one. Yeah. And it's just a matter of, of whether or not, I mean, both teams came out, there was high intensity. In fact, um, I think a lot of the Pittsburgh players thought that they played a great hockey game and just lost one of those games where they felt like they had the ice tilted most of the night. Well, they haven't played very well this year, so I'm sure they probably did. Uh, but, uh, you know, it's interesting. when Whenever a Caps player gets hit now on the ice, Caps fans go nuts on social media and saying, if that was Tom Wilson, they'd give him 60 games. So this is their standard now. The Tom Wilson 20-game suspension is the fallback for Caps fans every time one of their players gets get, gets gets nailed. Well, Malkin didn't have a hit last night. I know. It was a 20-game hit. I know it was. I know, yeah. but, but that's the, the 20 but game, that's The 20-game the the was based on history, too. Right, That's but that people don't care about that. That's the move. Back to the concussion thing. Do hockey players, I don't know this answer, perhaps you do. Do hockey players, have we seen the same kind of CTE problem down the road with hockey players? I don't know. I don't know. My impression is yes, but I can't really speak to that. I've only paid real close attention to the NFL, so I, I, I don't really know. There have been you know, individual cases of hockey players who, who you know, in their 50s were pretty much out of it, but as far as... Uh, numbers, I don't know what they are. 
All right, let's get to um, the Redskins segment for the day, the segment that you were given some homework on. And, and I may or may not participate. <laughs> it didn't make you very happy that you had actually had to actually prepare for anything. But we're sort of at the halfway mark. I mean, the Redskins have played well, nine games. We are games. exact. What? The Redskins have played uh, eight games. The Redskins are. I'm just saying. Some I'm sorry. team. You, did you take? Do you take a hit to the head? Uh, what I meant to say is, some teams have played nine games. But we're only talking about one team. But the Redskins are at, at their halfway which is, mark, which is their exactly their halfway mark. It, well, it would be because they play 16 total. Yes. Um. So we're at well, the Redskins' good. halfway mark. That. Uh, they're five and three. You know what? I might. I may have been jumping ahead to the. Uh, to what I believe will be the result on Sunday at five and four. Uh huh. I don't like their chances Sunday. I think they're going to lose Sunday. Really? I do, but we'll we'll do that a little bit later in the show. I don't know if I think they're going to lose. I think it's going to be a tough tough game for them. Well, of course, it's going to be a tough game because they're going into you know the game with with a with a makeshift offensive line. Yeah. Uh, it's a big game, though. But here's the halfway mark conversation. We're going to do two conversations. One is the best and worst so far. The best player so far, the best unit so far, the best moment so far, and the worst player, unit, and moment so far. And then we're going to make predictions on the best and worst to come in all three of those areas, player, unit, and moment. Okay, now if you're listening to this, doesn't that sound like a lot of work? It's not really that much Doesn't work. it? And here's the thing, and I'm being serious now. None of this work that I've ever supposedly given you, as if it wasn't sort of a collaborative effort anyway, um, you don't do it anyway. <laughs> you just come into the studio and you just sort of figure it out as you go. So why, why do you get so upset? You want a piece of bread? No, I don't. Okay. I've got a better baguette for you idea the next time you come in. There's a bakery, a French bakery downstairs that has great French bread. Safeways, no offense. And Safeway, you got great stuff. But Safeways, French baguette, nah. This is working just fine. I'm sure me. it is for you. All right, let's get to the best and worst so far. Best player so far through the first half of the season for the Redskins is? Are you going to tell me? No, I'll. You're gonna. Oh, I'm gonna go first. I'll go first then. No, I'll go first. Yeah, because go ahead. I'm sure you can come up with something real quickly. No, you go first. John Allen's been their best player okay. so far. He's a he's a total monster of a of an interior defensive lineman. He is the one guy consistently that must be game planned for. He's the guy that takes most of the double team action from an offense. He influences the rest of the defense and he makes it easier for other really good players. Like they haven't had a player like him and then even if they did, they didn't have other good players to take advantage of it. But now they've got Ionitis and they've got Payne Foster's benefiting, Kerrigan's benefiting, Preston Smith is benefiting. Um, the pass rush that comes from the interior helps the secondary. John Allen's been the best player on the team so far. Okay. I will say Adrian Peterson, the obvious one, is the best player on the team so far this year because of these two, the one they could least afford to lose is Adrian Peterson. They could live without Jonathan Allen and, and still compete. They can't live without Adrian Peterson. I think that's true. I just think that Allen's been the best player. If we had a conversation about the most valuable player, Adrian Peterson probably would have been it, and that would have been homework well done. 
That would have been an A on your homework. I had Adrian Peterson as my runner-up in this conversation because he is not only truly valuable, which you picked up on early. I'll give you credit for it. I really wasn't convinced that they couldn't do some of the other things without him, uh, but they couldn't have. And I didn't envision a pass offense so anemic. Yes, I know. I don't know if anyone did. Certainly not Jay Gruden. But Adrian Peterson has been great so far. I would also throw into the conversation, Tressway's been magnificent. Oh, absolutely. And DJ Swearinger's been really yes, good. Yes, I would say both those guys deserve consideration. Tressway has been extremely valuable to their game plan. All right, best and worst so far when it comes to the worst player. We've given you our best player. The worst player, to me, it's Alex Smith. He's been their worst player, and he, and, and the, he, these are the reasons. A, he hasn't gotten comfortable with the offense yet. That's apparent. But did you hear what Doc told me yesterday? Doc basically equated Alex saw, Smith to RG three, and, and said, said that's Gruden's why gotta, the coaches are having a hard time coaching him. He, he said you you can't drop him back. Um, I think you can drop him back, uh, but and I don't think he's RG three. But I know what Doc's saying that you've got to get him even more involved um, as a runner and on the edges. And you, you got to get him mobile. I'd be shocked if they don't do that on Sunday. Alex Smith's been their worst player. Uh, he hasn't been accurate when he's had time. Um, many times when he's had time, he doesn't think he's got time, and he gets very antsy. Uh, the inaccuracy throwing the football, I didn't really see that much. Certainly uh, not last year in Kansas City, but he had great weapons. But he's been a C-minus, D-plus quarterback this year. Now, I am cautiously optimistic that it's going to get better because I've seen him play better as a starting quarterback in the NFL. When he's gotten results, yes, he's gotten results with better players. Yes. All right, he has. Um, other than Adrian Peterson and Jordan Reed from a talent standpoint, where are the impact players offensively? Maybe when Thompson and Crowder come back. But the quarterback has been the worst player on the team so far. I don't think it's going to last. I, I Again, I, I am optimistic that it'll get better. But I couldn't come up with a player that was worse in the first half of the season than the starting quarterback. I, I can't disagree with you. Alex Smith is my worst player, too. I mean, it really is remarkable. I mean, look, it's always it, it's going to be about the quarterback uh, in, in the NFL all the time uh, because it's a quarterback-driven league, and you've got a quarterback who can't drive, basically, at, at this point. And, uh, I mean, i got to think, no matter what they're saying at Redskins Park, uh, Jake Gruden has to be, you know, this has got to be the most the the most frustrating five and three record a head coach could ever have. I mean, especially a coach like Gruden, who you know loves quarterbacks and loves his toys and loves his plays, and he's got a guy who can't do any of them right now, any of them very well. And I'm not so sure it, it, it's going to get much better because I think you hit on the key thing is we've seen Alex Smith play well with better weapons. They don't have. They don't have any better weapons. You know, the thing about the five and three is I'm not frustrated. I like watching a team that's pretty good defensively, that can run the ball, that doesn't hurt themselves. You know, I know that there are limits to this team, especially given the competitive landscape. They're not going into New Orleans and winning a game. We've already seen 
what happened there. There are multiple places they're not going to go into and win in in a, in a postseason game if they were to get there. But I'm okay. Look, Jacksonville with a better defense, like a lot better defense, and the Redskins' defense is much improved. It's not where Jacksonville's defense was last year. But Jacksonville with similar quarterback play from Blake Bortles last year that the Redskins are getting had a running game and had a defense and turned you over and made you pay for those turnovers and played field position and got to the AFC Championship game and nearly got to the Super Bowl. Now, that was a dominant defense. The Redskins are not a dominant defense, but I if Jay Gruden's frustrated with how they've gotten to 5 and 3, that's his problem and he's going to have to get over it and he's going to have to figure out how to scheme up a better offense with the tools that he has at his disposal. I mean, you've said that you've said about Jay Gruden, you know, he's a quarterback, uh he's played quarterback uh and he's probably harder on quarterbacks because he's because he's a quarterback. Well, again, if if you've got a guy like Jay Gruden as the head coach who, you know, helped mold a guy like Andy Dalton who played the position for years and you're you're handing him a quarterback who isn't who who is very limited, you're ta- you're taking away a lot of his fun. I mean, again, I mean, look, you can live and you can enjoy the success of how you're winning. But deep down, Jay Gruden has this list of plays that, you know, that are it's basically trash by the end of the game. Yeah, I, I again, I'd be really surprised, even with all of the injuries, if we don't see improvement there. You know, Jay, even with the injuries the last couple of years at times, he was able against certain opponents to scheme up some offense. Um, and there are people even they're, – they're a limited receiving group, especially with the injuries to Crowder and I would now throw – Paul Richardson. And, and now Out. Paul Richardson. Um, but I, I, I'm not – it's not a rose-colored glasses you know, thing for me. I just have seen Alex Smith be better, and I know Gruden is good at designing something. Perhaps Doc is right that the offense has to change a lot. Um I don't know. I think I, it's I, it's not rose colored glasses, but I think what's at work is it's hard to imagine this continuing. Yeah, it's hard. It's been it's hard to believe that this will continue. It's hard to believe that they that they could be this inept offensively for the whole year with with uh, their new quarterback. What does concern me a little bit with the offensive line issues? Alex Smith has had, has had happy feet at times with no pass rush yes, pressure. Yeah. Um, so this will be something to watch, which will make it imperative, and Doc pointed this out yesterday. I would urge you to go listen to to Doc's appearance on the show yesterday. I thought it was really good, some of his points. He also had a lot of good points about sort of the cornerback position on defense. But, you know, Jay may have to, to you know, adapt his offense to not only what Alex does well, but what Alex could potentially do well with a limited offensive line at this point. Um, all right, the uh, best and worst so far this year when it comes to a unit on the team. The best for me, and to me it's not even close, has been their defensive line, as a rush defense in particular. Now, until Sunday, 
Atlanta had just had them off balance all day. And I'm not trying to say that this rush defense is like the 76 Steelers, all right, or or, or some of the great rush defenses of all time. The Reds, but it's the best we've seen around here for a while. They're fifth right now in rush defense, 13th in yards per carry allowed. Last year, they were dead last as a run defense. The year before that, they were 24th, and the year before that, they were 26th. Okay, so it's not just that it's a an improved run defense. It's a good run defense. It's not the, uh, the best in the league, uh, and it's not the best ever, but it's so improved, and it's the strength of this team right now. It is. If you, if you can be consistent as a run-stuffing team, and last week was a step back, I'll give you that. Right, Atlanta had them off balance. Right, they threw it on eleven straight first and tens to start that game. It wasn't like they were lining it up and running it against right. the Redskins. They they ran it more consistently against nickel than they did against uh, the Redskins' base defense. But um, it is the strength of this team. It's also the most encouraging part of the team's future because it's young and it's good and talented. And I would keep adding players to that defensive front seven. Remember when the Giants had a really good pass rush and a really good defense and they kept drafting and kept adding? I'd keep doing the same thing. If your best player on the board next year in the first round is a defensive lineman or or an inside linebacker or a pass rusher, you keep adding to that defense. That is really the glass half full on the team's future. So through this first half of the season – the best unit on the team so far has been their defensive line. Well, th- th- these are these are glaringly obvious. It is this the one defensive is obvious. Line. Yeah, it is the defensive line. I mean, because of 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 everything you said. Look, I predicted the Redskins would be nine and seven because I thought their front seven would be strong. I thought they'd have more of a pass rush from the outside than from the interior. I thought the interior would help Kerrigan. And Preston Smith, who, in a contract year, I was I assumed would. would I think basically... he's playing well, Tommy. I don't think the numbers reflect um, what Preston Smith has been at times. I actually have been impressed with him. Well, the numbers are going to reflect it when he sits down to negotiate a contract. That's probably true. Okay, but so... they also know the the coaches know that Preston Smith is playing pretty well at times. That, that and Kerrigan's be. been very good here recently. Yes, and he and he does. He everyone knows he gets held every play. But that's always been the case. Uh, the defensive line, uh, the best unit. The worst unit just is the pass offense uh, well, in general. Well, I would say the pass receivers. Oh, okay. Well, I mean, the quarterbacks too. I mean, it, you know, yeah. it's the, the – look, the receivers aren't getting any separation. Um, they're not winning quickly enough. Uh, what's that? What's that noise that we got going on in the studio? Where's that coming from? It's coming from your phone more likely than not. You know, it's not coming from my phone. Where's it coming from? Was it coming from your phone, Aaron? No, not my Wasn't phone. Wasn't coming from my phone. I think it was. No, it wasn't. Yes, it was. No, it wasn't. Yes, it was it, coming from your phone. Was it coming Why from my phone? Why do you think phone? you picked it up I, first? I, 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 no, I picked it up to look to see if it was coming from my phone, but it wasn't. It was coming from your phone. You know what? It wasn't coming from my phone. Okay. Maybe it was coming from whoever's <laughs> watching us here in this studio. You know, maybe, maybe. I mean, wherever we are, maybe we're being watched. There, there's a couple of buildings in the general vicinity that are interesting yes. buildings. I'll yes, tell they you are. About there's them. one right across the street. Yes. I noticed. Uh, all right. So we're... I hope somebody doesn't come over here and take my microphone away from me, or try to. You know, it seems to be a thing now by this government. 
<laughs> uh, the worst unit on the team is probably yeah, the, just the pass offense and the pass receivers and the court, all of it, it combined. Stinks. But but it does it stink. Stinks. But you know what? It's also to a certain degree, Tommy, a reflection of a failed offseason strategy, not going after a better receiver than Paul Richardson. First of all, he had an injury history. All right. Um, there was Landry. There was Allen Robinson. There was a, to me, I, I would have drafted Anthony Miller in the second round out of Memphis. He's in Chicago. I don't even know what kind of year he's having, but I would have, he would have been perfect for this team. Uh, Moncrief, Dante Moncrief. He ended up in Jacksonville with a terrible quarterback. He may have had a similar situation here in terms of results, but the Redskins didn't address this in the offseason. And then they the player they did sign had an injury history, and then Crowder's, you know, missed games of hurt too. Crowder really is, as a slot receiver, the best hope they have, along with their tight but ends. you know what? We haven't seen that good Jamison Crowder that we think about in a long time. Boy, they were all super positive about the leadership. Yeah. And the, 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 the quarterback position. All right, um, best and worst moment so far of the season. Uh, the best moment is beating the Cowboys. The play made by Kerrigan on Prescott that Preston Smith ended up scoring on for their first win over the Cowboys in three years, first win at home over Dallas since 2012. That's the moment so far in the first half of the season. Do you've got a you have a better one? No, that's it. I mean that 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 speaks to everything the Redskins have done good this year because they had Dallas pinned deep in their own territory which speaks to the field position battle that they've been winning. Uh, the, the defense created the pressure, uh, created the, the sack, the turnover, and then the fumble recovery. That, and that was that was turned out to be the difference in the game, uh, really, when you think about it. So, I mean, to me, that's their best moment. That's, their, that's the moment that says who they are this year. Worst moment, there are a couple of them, but the New Orleans game as a whole – was just an embarrassment. It was a humiliating night. Um, but early in that game, the Monte Nicholson stupid penalty, uh, pushing Ingram to the ground for a second time, that cost him 15 yards and gave them, you know, and cost them a chance to get off the field early. It wouldn't have made a difference that night, Tommy. But it was lack of – I thought they, in their losses, particularly their last two losses, the New Orleans and the Atlanta game, it wasn't just that they you know, generated no offense in those games and their defense wasn't as good against really good offenses. Uh, they were – they lost their poise in those games. They really didn't play with a level of intelligence that we've seen in five wins this year. Yes. so They that, played more like – uh, the aura of self-destruction that we've ex come to expect. We thought it was. We yeah. thought, okay, here it is yeah. after the New Orleans game. Yeah. Now, for me, the worst moment was, as a whole, was the Indianapolis game. I mean, you could argue that was Alex Smith's best game. Uh, he completed, uh, what, 33 out of 46 passes for 292 yards. Oh, I didn't think it was his but, but but statistically, yeah. well, I mean, yeah, statistically, it was his best game. It was thirty three out of forty six. I just for, remember a first half where there were people wide two, open against soft zone coverage, yards. and he never threw it to him. Statistically, his best game. They only have nine points. They have more yards than Indianapolis in the game, three hundred thirty four to two hundred eighty one. The Colts turned the ball over two times on Andrew Luck interceptions. 
The Redskins have 20 first downs to the Colts, 17 first downs, and all the Redskins could muster with three field goals, nine points. That, to me, in a winnable game, because the Saints game was never going to be a winnable game, Right. that, to me, is far worse than what happened in New Orleans. Yeah, I, I mean, I think Alex Smith's best moment of the season was the drive uh, last week against Atlanta. I think that was his best drive of the year. And clearly the first half he played against Green Bay um, was his best overall play and the offense's best overall play of the season. That indie game, to me, I mean, I, I, I – First I don't have my I don't have my indie notes in front of me, but here's my memory from the indie game. They got run on early, which they did. Uh, Marlon Mack, you know, and Wilkins ran yeah. it on him early, and then against just incredibly soft coverage, soft zone coverage, which Jay Gruden's offense riddled the last few years with pitch and catch, easy chunk, you know, six to twelve yard, you know, move the chain plays. They just decided that they weren't going to do that. They got real fancy with stuff early. And, you know, I don't even put it all on Alex Smith. I put some of that on Jay Gruden. They didn't adapt to it. And I think Gruden pretty much admitted it. Um, you know, after they're the game. coming off their a big road win, impressive road win over the Cardinals, which seemed bigger at the moment than it really was. They're playing their first game at home. They're looking to change the narrative of this team. And they absolutely lay an egg against a team that everyone expected them to beat. To me, that's the worst moment. All right, we're going to get to our best and worst to come, all right? Our projections on the best player here in the second half of the season, unit and moment. But first, let me tell you about Window Nation. Uh, if your furnace is kicking on and off again, uh, over and over, the reason is your windows are old and drafty and you're letting cold air in and hot air out, keeping you up at night. And every time you hear that furnace kicking on and kicking off, higher energy bills, you're wasting money. It's time for you to pick up the phone and call Window Nation. I've done it twice over the last 10 years. Harley and Aaron from Window Nation have provided windows for me and lots of our listeners over the years. For a limited time right now, Get two free windows for every two you buy. Buy four, get four free. Buy six, get six free. There's no limit. Plus, you'll get 0% financing for five full years. Save that well-earned money from 0% financing and buying two and getting two for, uh, two for free to splurge on your family and friends this holiday season. Act fast as there's still time to have your windows installed when the cold air hits and in time for the holidays. You'll stay toasty as Window Nation's expert installers work room by room to install your new windows. Window Nation has saved customers an estimated $40 million in energy over the years. Save today, save tomorrow, save forever. Call Window Nation today at 866-90-NATION. You'll get two free windows for every two you buy. Buy four, get four free, no limit, plus 0% interest for five full years. Save thousands on your windows and your energy bills used for holiday shopping this season. Call 866-90-NATION or visit windownation.com and tell them that I told you to call. Have you ever lived in a place where they had steam heat with radiators and steam y yes, heat? Yes, steam yes, heat? yes, yes, yes. Well, steam heat? Yeah. I don't know. I, I don't know the answer to that. I, I mean, I know what those sort of graded radiators look like no steam heat I, I lived in well i grew up in brooklyn with steam heat where basically uh they deliver coal to a furnace and it creates steam that comes through the pipes and i lived in, in a house in scranton 
that had that as well. And when you do that, when the heat comes on, like in the middle of the night sometimes, it's like somebody taking a hammer. Because it's loud. And banging the pipes. I mean, basically the steam, for some reason, as it's coming through the pipes, creates this like bang, bang. I mean, like like literally taking a hammer, somebody downstairs, and banging the pipes. And I, that's, a, that's a familiar sound to me. I grew up with that. And that's so foreign to anybody did, else. Did that heat smell? No, Was there not a smell really. to the heat? No, but a noise? I mean, literally, I, I can't describe to you how loud it would be. Well, how about the, the noise of a window unit air conditioner, which I grew up with? We didn't yeah. have in, in that in the house that we lived in for a while did not have central air. We had window units throughout the house. And on really hot days and hot nights, you I, I would try to sleep right next to that air conditioned <laughs> window unit. And that noise was very soothing. Like I can still hear that noise, the rumbling of a window unit air conditioner. I, I people still have window unit air conditioning, right? I think not so. every place has central air. I, I would think most places do, but a lot of old places don't. Yeah, I would think so. You know, I didn't have air. I never had air conditioning. You know, growing up as poor as we were, Kevin. Well, you didn't. You didn't grow up in in a swamp. You know, DC was swampy back but, then. Uh, when we when I went to school in Miami, I had air conditioning. <laughs> yeah, I bet you did <laughs> in Miami. All right, let's get to sort of our predictions for the second half, the best and worst to come, and we'll start with a player. I'm going to start with Deron Payne because I think Deron Payne is just going to keep getting better and better and better. First of all, he is a true run stuffer. This a, a guy that they haven't had in terms of that size, that strength, that athletic ability. They, this was a Tommy, this is going to turn out to have been a really good draft choice and there was a lot of discussion, Vita Vea, a lot of different players. He's also a pocket collapser. And he's got greatness next to him on both sides in Allen and Ioannidis. I just think Deron Payne's going to continue to get better and better. We have not even seen anywhere near the best of Deron Payne in this defensive line as a whole. But Payne is a difference maker. So this is basically an optimistic look. It's a projection of the but, best but to come, but, and then we'll get to the worst. So this would be an optimistic look. Yes. Right? Yes. I'm going to say Jeremy Sprinkle will be the best player in the second half for the Redskins. That came out of nowhere. I you like want, it. You want to know why? I do. Because he might be the only tight end left by the time they're playing the final two or three games of the year. So my player is Jeremy Sprinkle. You'll see him catch more balls than you ever thought he would catch. You know what? I, I actually like Sprinkle. I think he's talented. Okay. I think he's the, the this is an area. If he's catching passes for you, you're in big trouble, buddy. Well, we've seen a lot of three tight end stuff, you know, where he's had the opportunity. How many balls has he caught this year? He caught a couple early, didn't he? I don't remember. Um, but he'll be catching them late. I'm actually curious about how because many Because I think they'll be at I think, you know, I think they'll be out of tight ends by then. Well, let me just say that my projection of the worst sort of player to come, um, I just I don't have a lot of confidence for whatever reason right now. And I'm, trust me, this has nothing to do with his talent. I don't think Jordan Reed looks right. Um, he doesn't I, look right. And I, I know he was banged up a little bit last week, and Jay said that he's going to be fine for the game against Tampa. I, I think there's some frustration 
with Jordan Reed because I think you know during this first half of the season he's been open more than you would think and hasn't had the opportunities. I didn't like the fact that you know last week you know at twenty eight fourteen on a key drive he wasn't in the game. Um, I know he was hurting a little bit, but I, there's something. It could be just a total hunch and sort of a body language guess. But I, I just don't feel great about Jordan Reed. Not his talent. His talent is still there. And for them to really be any sort of threat from a pass offense standpoint, you would think that Jordan Reed's got to be a big part of that. Well, apparently, but, I think he's got more targets still than anybody on the team. Um, t- uh, I've got that information up. And, yes, and yeah, he, he's got more targets. That's remarkable. Considering but, ooh, we don't think that wow. he's been used enough, and he's got the that tells you everything about the pass offense. The guy who we don't think they're getting the ball to enough is getting the ball more than anybody. I haven't looked at these numbers, but Jordan Reed's been targeted. You're correct, fifty three times more than any receiver on the team, and he's only got thirty three catches on fifty three targets. That's not good, no. people. That is not good. Now you we uh, sprinkle. Uh, Sprinkle doesn't have <laughs> one catch Sprinkle. this year. Is, is, I thought he had a catch earlier in the season. Well, that's just a moment that you had. That's but I, but I'm saying Jordan Reed. It's it's more of a hunch that the, the production that we would have hoped that Jordan Reed would have had, you know, an 80 plus catch kind of a year. You know, I, it's not going to happen. It's not going to happen for a lot of reasons. But I think some of the reasons are him. I want to see. I would like to see Jordan Reed say – I get this sense that Jordan Reed doesn't say, get me the ball. Like, give me the ball. Give it to me right off the snap. Put me in a bubble. Let me run a bubble where I get a quick screen and, and get more touches. Um, and I well, wish think, he were more demonstrative when it came to that. What do you think of the possibility – because I, I, don't, I don't know Jordan Reed from Adam, and this is probably blatantly unfair to say – but it would only be human nature, uh, maybe not among football players, but maybe this one, to have had the, the injuries that he's had over the years, and particularly the concussions that he's had over the years, that maybe you're not quite as aggressive as you used to be. Well, he hasn't had a concussion in a while. I know that, but his next concussion could be his last. He, I mean, he I, literally I, I, considered his family was was – begging him to leave the game the last time he had one uh, here's here's what i know and i don't know jordan reed very well had him on the show at the park multiple times he's soft-spoken he's a nice yes. young guy um and he's he quite, may be their best athlete he's quite a talent i mean we know we know that um and look one of the things going into the season what was one of the big you know sort of storylines that we all talked about over the summer we get jordan reed for 16 games yeah we've had him for eight He's eight for eight, but he's got 33 catches on 53 targets. He's got to get more involved, and I know that recently they've tried to target him more. You know, they they clearly in the in the last two, well, uh, in in the uh, in the Giant game that was I think the highest target game of the year for him. Hold on, here it is. Yeah, 12 targets against the Giants, seven catches. He got targeted six times in the Atlanta game, four catches. You know, where is – look at the yardage for Jordan Reed. Good God. Where is my eight-catch, 110-yard touchdown game? One touchdown. He's got one touchdown on the year, and it came in the opener against Arizona. 
I guess part of it is I look at him and I see a guy that isn't overly enthusiastic about the the, right. the offense but I, right but now. But I'm saying I get that. No, I get that. But you're saying it's more him not being aggressive because of injuries, past injuries. I, I think that I, – I don't know. It, it, I wouldn't blame him if that were the case. All right, best and worst to come unit. Um, I, I think the running back position – I'm confident in the running back position. The offensive line, we'll see how it should impact everything offensively. I get it. And Jay Gruden's going to have to be good at scheming around it because what I've heard this from many people over the years, Cooley in particular, you can scheme around deficiencies in the offensive line over a guard here or a center there or a guard there. Um, maybe you can't over when you have three-fifths yeah. or four-fifths <laughs> of the offensive line out. And we saw that last year in, in several games. But Adrian Peterson is not going to slow down if he gets the opportunities. Chris Thompson coming back, I think, is really big for this team because I think they can use him as an extension of the run game by throwing him, throwing him the football. And look, if you didn't know this before, it's your own fault. Um, Alex Smith has been the true Charlie Checkdown quarterback in the NFL over a long period of time. Maybe not last year but more years than not. And Chris Thompson would be their best check down receiver. Yes, yes, he would. Because I don't have any problem. He'd be their Roy Hello. I have, well, <laughs> you don't want that kind of game. But, you know, he had the, well, how many catches did he have in that uh, that Indianapolis game? That was the game where he had, like, yeah. double-digit catches. But I, I had nine points I have no it. problem if Chris Thompson's healthy with them using him to move chains on checkdowns. I don't care how it happens, but moving chains will be crucial for this well, team. Well, that's, that's the only offense Alex Smith knows, is moving the chains if he's good. Yeah, so well, There's no quick strike there. No, there's not a, there's not a real deep ball or I, I think he can throw the deep ball. It's just not what he's made a living doing. Well, like, you can let, throw the deep ball. <laughs> look, if you if you're throwing to Tyreek Hill, that's an easier deep ball to throw. Yes. Um, I think the backs will be the best to come from a unit standpoint. I'm looking forward to seeing the backs continue to get better with the return of not only Chris Thompson. Hopefully, he's he can return. I know this is a, a potentially painful injury, and he may may not be back this this week. I can tell you this: I like Capri Bibbs. I've liked him since the first time I saw him, and I know that they like Byron Marshall. I don't know if they'll be able to get him up though with all these injuries along the offensive line. Yeah. You know, th this is really hard. I mean, because I don't think the defense is going to get better. I mean, I don't think they're going to play better than they did in the first half. I think the offense is clearly going to be worse all the way around in any way, shape, or form. Running back, offensive line. I can't name one unit that's going to be better. I can't name one. You know what? what unit, Not one. You know what unit couldn't be any worse? Do they get anything off of returns? They get nothing out of their special teams returns unit. Yeah, but who does anymore except on punts? Punt returns. Punt returns. You're right. Yeah, I mean, uh, their their punt returns. Strowman. Listen, if 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 you're the Redskins, if you're a Redskins fan, you're just glad they're not fumbling. The, the, Strowman's the averaging five. That's true. Strowman's averaging five point six yards per return. I mean, you have very I mean, low expectations on the return game. You just don't want them to turn the ball over while they're doing it. Their punt coverage unit and their punter has been yes. outstanding all year. All yes. right, a moment. Uh, best and worst to come on the – did we did we just do our worst on, on the unit? No, we just did the best. We did the best. So the and best. I can't come oh, up with one oh, uh, because uh, I think they're all going to – I think they're all going to take a step back. 
And that's a problem because the offense hasn't taken a step forward yet. I would say that I'm not totally confident that the secondary is going to be great covering. And I think, you know, you had Atlanta and New Orleans just sort of show you that, you know, the Redskins are not a man cover team, um, not against that caliber of wide receiver and, and quarterback. And you do have, you know, you've got Houston, uh, and well, this, you got Tampa this well, week. You have Tampa this guy, week. You're you playing Houston. a guy yes. who, who's thrown 17 touchdown passes in six games you, and, in Ryan Fitzpatrick. And you got Philly twice. Um, yeah, I'm with you. That's that's a hard one. How about moment? I've got a, I do have a prediction on the best and worst moment. How can you possibly? I'm going to give it to you. How can you do that? You realize how ridiculous this is? I don't care. I know you don't. How many times do I do ridiculous? Well, well you do it and better when, than anybody. And when's the last time I cared about it? That's true. Uh, here's the here's going to be the best moment of the second half of the season. I would love for it to be that they beat Philadelphia in the season finale at home that to win would, the NFC East. Be, that would be great. But I don't think that's going to happen. Okay. But I do think on Thanksgiving Day, they're going to go in and sweep the Cowboys. The Cowboys have Philly this week on the road and then Atlanta on the road. They're staring three and seven and tossing the hat on the season. That's it. They're done when we get to Thanksgiving Day. And the Redskins go in there and beat the Cowboys for the sweep of the season. It's, when I say that's the best moment, look, last year's best moment was the Seattle game. That was the best moment yes. of the year because it was so improbable yes. with what they went in with. This year, it's going to be Dallas on the road, Thanksgiving. Uh, the turkey, the mashed potatoes, the stuffing, and the pies are all going to taste much better because they're going to complete the sweep of Dallas. They're going to send them to 3-8 and eight, and in the moment make the Redskins 7-5. and five. I think they'll split the next two, win on Thanksgiving Day, be seven and five going to Philadelphia first weekend uh, week in in December on a Monday night, Monday night game. for a huge showdown against the Eagles. I would love for the best moment to be the Eagles game at the end of the year means the division at home. Here's the best moment, and it, you're right; they are going to win in Dallas. You're going to do this after calling it ridiculous? Well, because all of a sudden I had I had a, a, yeah. a genius moment. Yeah, because you thought of something. Because. You're right about that. They're going to beat Dallas, but here's how it's going to happen. They're going to be down 16-3 to at the half. Alex Smith is going to have two interceptions, and the offense is not going to be doing anything. Clint Longley, Colt McCoy? And they're going to bring in Colt McCoy in the second half to relieve him, and Colt McCoy is going to lead the, the Redskins to a, a, a 28-23 to win over Dallas on Thanksgiving night. Well, Colt McCoy's already led a big win yes. over the Cow. That was the best game of 2014, that miserable season. Yeah, actually, that's one, of the, in... one of the best games, period, over the last five <laughs> it was, years. It was a great yeah. win. So that yeah. is my best moment. All right, my worst moment is that they're going to get to the end of the season and the game against Philadelphia, it's – oh, God, I don't want to say this. I don't think it's going to mean anything when they get there. I think these injuries, I think the offense, I think it's an there are things about this season that are going to be encouraging moving forward with the next staff and the next front office. <laughs> but we're going to get to that season finale against the Eagles and probably be somewhere around 8 and 7 
and it's not going to be for what we all want it to be. That's my prediction. I hope I'm wrong because it would be great to get to the that final week of the season, have a home game against Philadelphia for the division. Here's what I think the Redskins won't be in contention for, Tommy, a wild card. Because well, nobody in, in the NFC is going to be a wild card team. Uh, more likely than not. I mean, yeah. it's not impossible. No, I it's mean, not, but it's not likely. It's. I just think that, you know, Carolina, New Orleans, you know, clearly in that division, you know, you're going to have a wild card. At this point, it would certainly like look like the NFC South is going to produce a 10-win wild card team or yeah. more. Um, and you've also got Atlanta in that division. Uh, you're, you know, Seattle, I don't know. The NFC North just, I would think that between Chicago, Minnesota, and Green Bay, there's a chance that the non-division winner is in the hunt for a wild card. Okay, uh, the worst moment. It wouldn't be a Redskins season if they didn't lose a meaningless game to the New York Giants. <laughs> <laughs> They're going to lose to the Giants when they a Giants team that will be horrendous, that is literally trying to tank at this point of the season when the Giants come to FedEx Field to play the Redskins. That will be the worst moment of the season. All right. Uh, look, by the time you get there, I, I, can't ima- I can't imagine that we'll get to December 9th and the Redskins won't be playing a game of importance and the Giants won't be. So that would be a bad yes. loss. I'm looking I'm just looking at it like realistically. They can they can definitely split the next two games. I, I don't but know, they, I don't I, I, they, that split happens beating Tampa. No, not necessarily. Oh I don't, come on. I don't agree with you. Come on. I actually, do you know do you know you know if anyone cared about Alex Smith, if his if his wife, if his family cared about him, <laughs> they wouldn't put him out against the Houston Texans. <laughs> really. They okay, wouldn't put stop. him out there on that's the field. An, that's enough for you. Um, I think they are in a bit of trouble this week at Tampa. Uh, it's the last, this is a good offensive team. Now, you know, turnovers are going to mean everything. If they can't turn Fitzpatrick over like everybody else has. Tampa has been the worst turnover team in the league. I know they, they'll, they'll set it up and then the Redskins can't, you know, punt after a turnover. I mean, that's the opportunity with a turnover at the other team's 40. That's the opportunity for the Redskins is, is, you know, create turnovers, uh, have the ball deep in Tampa's territory, have a short field for Alex Smith to work with to score I mean, the the defense could either lead to or itself may have to be responsible for at least two touchdowns. I'd see a good chance of winning two of the next three. That's what yeah. I'm. That, that's yeah. what I'm going to say. What? Why are you laughing at that? It's just crazy. Well, what do you think? They're going to lose all three? I think it, if they're lucky, they'll they'll win one of the next three. I think there's a chance. I'm not going to say it's a good chance. I think it's 50-50 or slightly better than 50-50 that the Redskins can split the next two and then go into a Dallas uh, Thanksgiving Day game with the Cowboys reeling and get that second win in the next three games. And that would put them at seven. Uh, well, if they got two of the next three, that would put them at seven and four. Going into that, so Philadelphia you think game. then what they can do, what they weren't able to do last year after the Seattle game, 
because after the well, Seattle game. No, it's did, what? Do you, what? Do, you, do you remember what happened after the Seattle game? Yeah. Okay, what happened real quickly? Well, what they happened? went three and five. The what rest was the, of the next year? game after the Seattle game? I don't remember the exact It was the, game. Nor- the, the next game, the next two games were Minnesota and New Orleans, where they had chances to win both of those games, and the offense was cranking at that point. They were starting to get some people back, and then the New Orleans game, the way it ended, oh, and yeah. losing Chris Thompson. That was it. Yeah. Done. Even though they beat the Giants because, on Thanksgiving. Well, it doesn't matter night. how it happened, Kevin. You, you, the situation they're in right now, you're good. That's good for a one-shot moment of glory. You can't sustain that momentum moving forward with the damage that they've incur- that they've that they've suffered. I'm just saying last year when they had all those injuries, okay, and they they lost to the Cowboys with a depleted offensive line in the rain and the defense was falling apart at that point with with losing players and then they they had the miraculous win at Seattle with four-fifths of their offensive line or close to that out. Jordan Reed out, no running game, no defense. Zach Brown played the game of the year, I thought that particular day. And then they followed that up with chances against two really good teams yeah. last year, Minnesota and New Orleans. The New Orleans game was the soul crusher because they had that game won and had they held on to get to 5-5. Five and five. Now, they lost Chris Thompson in the first half of that game, right? I think that was the first half of the game. That was going to hurt them moving forward anyway, um, but they didn't crumble when they lost all those players. It's why? not like it happened why? right away. Why didn't you they know crumble? why? Of course, we both know why. The quarterback. They were able to move the football yes. and score and stay in games with their offense. And you can look at the Seattle game and say they couldn't do anything. He was beat to a pulp in that game and then came up with the big drive. And it was also a heroic effort defensively by Zach Brown and a few others. Yes, but, uh, still, but anyway. But again, I, I don't want to get into that again, subject. This is this is the this is what I talked about in my column. Alex Smith is going to have to win a game for you. For the first time this year. Yeah. yeah. And Kirk Cousins, he was capable of losing a game Alex for you. Alex Smith is capable of doing a lot more than he's done so far. I don't think he is. I know you don't. I do. I, I, I'm not... I'm never going. I'm not. I'm not going to go down that path now. I knew what we were getting when we traded for him. It's just not been what I thought. All right. He's been much worse than I thought he was capable of being. A lot of that is new offense, new receivers, injuries, etc. Um, but he's been much worse. I know he can be better than what he's been. We've seen that before. We've seen him be much better than he's been this year. You know who's never off? Farish. I know that. They're never off. Farish Chrysler Dodge Jeep in Fairfax should be on your list right now if you're considering something new. Go to FarishCars.com right now. You can check out their entire inventory with live pricing. If you get to FarishCars.com, you'll find right now great deals on Jeeps in particular. Uh, the Cherokees, the Grand Cherokees, the Wranglers. You'll see the first vehicles to pop up. The Compass Sport, the Compass Latitude, and the Renegade. Uh, all really good deals right now if you're thinking about a minivan the Chrysler Pacifica the deal you'll get on that vehicle is the best you'll get all year long Um, their inventory right now the lot is full so the odds are that whatever you're looking for you'll likely find it in the make model and color and be able to drive it off the lot I've known Ralph Perkins and Kevin Farish for over a decade they make it easy for the customer they know what customers want their sales team 20 years plus most of the people that have been there they're 
service department. You have a scheduled service at Farish. You're in and out. You don't wait. Uh, they get it. They just get the customers and they get uh, how convenience and price is important. If you like this show and you're thinking about something new, I give you my word that you'll be taken care of if you head out to Farish and Fairfax. Ask for Ralph when you get there. They're located right there in Fairfax Circle. You can find out everything they have right now, live inventory, live pricing at farishcars.com. All right, let's get to Bryce Harper, uh, Tommy, um, and Chelsea's story about the Nats offering Bryce Harper on September 26th, late September a 10-year, $300 million offer uh, to stay as a Washington national. Describe that offer in your words. I want to hear what you think of the offer, whether it was sort of a faux offer or it was legitimate and they really wanted him. I think it was an, a cover-our-behind offer. I think it was an offer that they, they could say to the fan base since, look, during the time we were the only team to be able to talk to him, we made him a legitimate offer, an offer, an unprecedented offer you could you, you could make the case for. Uh, I don't think they ever thought that Bryce Harper was going to take it. I think everybody knows Scott Boris's game and Bryce Harper's game, and they're determined to go to market. Uh, as, as, Bryce, as, as Scott Boris called it yesterday during uh, the uh, GM meetings, they're going to call it Harper's Bazaar. Really? Yes. I, that, that's interesting because I had Chelsea on the podcast yesterday and she said it was received very well. They thought it was a genuine and very respectful offer and that the relationship between both sides is very professional, cordial, and it didn't close out the chance that, it, that he could come back. Well, that's not what everybody's reporting now. I mean, by Bob Nightingale is reporting the Nats are done. They're going to wash. They're washing their hands of this. Well, it, the the okay. I haven't seen that report. The Nats did say, and Mike Rizzo did say, there is an expiration date because, well, because we've got they, to move on. Yeah, they've they've got yeah. to use. They, they're going to have to use that money someplace else. Right. You got the. It's interesting. You got the winter meetings where a lot of stuff happens coming up the first week in December in Las Vegas, Bryce Harper's hometown. That's very interesting, and maybe something will happen there. And it's not out of the realm of possibility. That the Nats could, you know, uh, if if Bryce Harper and Scott Boris say, this is the offer on the table for us, let's say from the Phillies, uh, you what are you going to do? And it's possible the Nats could say, okay, we'll we'll match it. But I, but I don't see the Lerner family ever doing that. The Lerner family does not like to do business that way. They don't like to be dictated to as to how much they spent they'll spend. By other by other bidders, so to speak. Okay, so let's just say you're right that this was not a le legitimate offer. Well, they thought a, he. I think a legitimate well, it's, offer. Le it's a legitimate, but it, it was a cover there behind. They didn't. It, they didn't think he would accept. Right. It. All right, and they wanted to look like they were putting their best foot forward um, for the fan base that they and, attempted to keep Bryce helped, Harper. And it helps Boris because it gives them a yeah, base number. Of course, it does to to move forward and say, look, we got this. Hanging out there. What are you going to do to other teams? It also is important, isn't it, that the the Nats didn't ignore Harper, didn't lowball Harper, unless you think three hundred million ten years is a lowball offer. I, I've heard some people describe it that way. 
Um, and maybe it is, but I thought as we got towards the end of this year, or certainly in the middle portion of the year when he was really struggling, people were talking about more of a, a $300 million offer versus these crazy 400 north of $400 million because he wasn't very good for most of the year. Remember, at one point, he was hitting like 207. I get that. I never bought into that. I know you didn't. I, I never bought into that. Uh, Scott Boris is talking about $500 million. I think that's a bit. You much. think he's going to get four hundred million? I think he will. I, I, here's what's going to happen: a team is going to have to set. Uh, there's at least one team, maybe more, out there that determined that some point this year we we're going to go after Bryce Harper and we're going to spend whatever it takes to get him because that's how you get a player like that. And this is what the Nationals know when they made that three hundred million dollar offer. They knew he wasn't going to take it, and they know in order to get Bryce Harper, you're going to have to make him an offer he can't refuse, as they say in the business. You're going to have to you're going to have to uh, overspend far overspend far more than you want to, and there'll be at least one or two teams that'll be willing to do that because that's the guy they've targeted. I know from a pure on-the-field standpoint that Soto, Robles, Eaton, Taylor, for what they cost, it's a damn good outfield, and it's a it's a really good, you know, business situation for the Nationals. Yeah, uh, to have that, and I know that they've got a big decision and a lot of money probably earmarked for Anthony Rendon after next year, a guy they definitely want to keep. Yes, um, I would love to know in those conversations that the Nationals have, that Mike Rizzo and the learners and everybody has, about what they think the business impact will be to the team, to attendance, to everything that goes into the business of their franchise, not having Bryce Harper as a part of the team. If they think it'll be uh, – um, I would love to know – somebody penciled this out to say if we spend $350 million right. and we get them, it means this much in revenue and there's a return on investment even though we've got a very expensive outfield. You know, it's funny because part of the rhetoric that Boris was peddling yesterday was since Bryce Harper came up to the Nationals, their attendance has gone up this much. Their revenue has gone up this sure much. Sure it has. Their TV ratings have gone up this much. But the winning also yes. started with Harper. Yes, but but that doesn't mean Harper was responsible for the winning. Well, but he was responsible for a big buzz about the team, and then the winning came simultaneously. Yes. He came up. That was the yes. first year they yes. went to the playoffs, Yes, I know that, and it came simultaneously, and he's been part of it, but he hasn't been the only part of it. No. And I, I've also always contend that position players do not, that do not put people in the seats on a regular basis. Pitchers do. Position players generally do not, because you, for one thing, you never know when a position player is going to play. You just don't know for sure. You know when a pitcher is going to pitch. So I think the position players as a marketing commodity in for, for attendance is overrated. Maybe for TV, it, it helps. It, it's a big deal. Maybe for merchandising, it's certainly probably a big deal. I don't know if they've quantified that, but Boris went on a rant yesterday saying that basically all the Nationals' glory and success is, is because of Bryce Harper. And I might want to point out they, they – did he say the same thing about Strasburg a few years ago? When no, he, he, signed didn't, he didn't have to. Last year? He didn't have no. to. I might want to point out that uh, the Nationals, you know, didn't get past the first round of the playoffs with Bryce Harper. Yeah, but they didn't fail 
in getting to the second round because of him. Well, Kevin, he has a 220 batting average in the postseason. He also had some of the most clutch hits that they had and really some of the only clutch hits they and had. And he I mean, also had some of the biggest strikeouts and yeah. and, and, and and missed opportunities well, in the postseason. In a, in a series that you blamed on pitching when they lost to the Giants right? Um, rather than whatever they hit for the series, which was like 175 or whatever for the series, and you blamed it on pitching, if I remember correctly. Bryce Harper was the only one that came up with any hit that mattered in that series. I blamed it on pitching because the Giants scored the same amount of runs as the Nationals in I that know. series. I remember. Nine runs. I remember. I loved this quote, though, and I, 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 I t- talked about this with Chelsea yesterday because – I just like this guy, and I know you do too. And I think he is smart. I know he's highly competitive, which I think is one of the reasons he and Harper fit so well together is that they have this edge to them. Um, But he's also smart and classy more often than not. Mike Rizzo's quote um, this week uh, about Bryce Harper, Tommy, if you saw it, 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 he, he said, quote, I'm comfortable with the alternative to Harper. Um you know, and, and that being the ability to put a great right. outfield together. Uh, but he said, quote, I'm uncomfortable with the statement that we're a better team without him, yeah, closed quote. Uh, that, that's, that's perfect because perfect. it's true. I mean, you can have both things. Yes. You can be good and competitive and maybe, you know, if, if fortunes go right, do better. But that doesn't mean you're a better team but without Bryce but Harper. It's, but it's beyond that. When you've had a player like Harper that grew up in your organization that had as much of an impact, positive impact, on the organization, when you're on the verge of potentially losing that player, there's a way to behave and there's a way to handle it. It's called the high road, and that's a high road statement. You're right. And it's the kind of statement that when you are a free agent on another team or you're a free agent on this team, you watch those things and you see how the organization behaves and the key people in the organization behave. I've always liked Mike Rizzo. I think he's a really good general manager, but I think he's a really shrewd people person. Yeah, I, I think he is as well. What's interesting about all this is 10 years ago is pretty much when the marriage uh, – and the marriage is really the with Boris and the learners. Mike Rizzo has a very good relationship with Scott Boris, but when people are looking for Boris's influence, it's with the learner family. Right. It's not with Rizzo. Nobody tells Rizzo what to do except his bosses. Uh, so uh, it's not like Boris can control Rizzo. But 10 years ago, this marriage between Boris and the learners started when the winter meetings were in Las Vegas, when Mark Teixeira, Boris's client, was a free agent, and the Red Sox and the Yankees were bidding for him, and Boris convinced the Nationals to make an offer, to make an, uh, an astronomical I offer. I remember knowing full well that they wouldn't get him that 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 they wouldn't get him which basically drove up the price and forced the Yankees to up their offer to eventually sign to share well the Nats- that's how that's how so the Nationals did Boris a favor I love I love understanding that history cuz I do remember we were doing a show and I remember thinking to myself well this is because remember, they really hadn't spent any money yet. Had they no, spent the money no. on Jason Worth oh, yet? Oh, no, no, no. They were two yeah, years and, away and from I, Jason And I Worth. said to you, I'm like, this is fake. They knew they weren't going to get to share. This is to make some sort of statement to the fan base that they're going to spend money. Now, they have spent money. Yes, they have. Just on not players. on managers. Right. Um, but but, but that, that this was a favor. This was a favor to Boris. But you don't think that that's the case now with Harper? The three hundred million dollar. No, 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 no. I'm just thinking. I wonder. I wonder if Scott Boris thinks he's already paid the learners back for that favor. (laughs) 
I mean, because he ain't going to do it with Scott with Bryce Harper. Well, that's for sure. Well, some people think that you know the team got a really good deal with Strasburg. Well, maybe we'll find out. I mean, Strasburg has not been. Uh, I I had no problem with with the with the signing of Strasburg. He's won ninety games for them over the course of his career. He's still among the top ten pitchers in all of baseball, even with all the injuries he's had. Exit question. Where does Bryce Harper sign? <laughs> Boy, that brings back a blast yeah. from the past. John McLaughlin. Uh, I'm going to say the Dodgers. Everyone else is saying the Phillies. I'm, I'm going zag and say the Dodgers. Well, Jorge Castillo and uh, the L.A. Times reported. Did you see this? You did see this because you told me about it. Um, the Dodgers tried to acquire Harper twice during last season. The first time was before the July 31st non-waiver trade deadline, and the second was when they claimed him before the waiver deadline, but the Nationals pulled Harper back as expected. They exposed him to the waiver? Well, they, they do that with all players. Yeah. They do that with just to see what, what's out there. Right. They, they, they do that with almost all their players. What, wh- and again, the connection there is Stan Kasten. Stan Kasten was the president of the Nationals when they drafted Bryce Harper, uh, he's he's had a good and close relationship with Bryce Harper's father and the family, and now Stan Kasten runs the Los Angeles Dodgers. People forget that. People always think, oh, Magic Johnson runs the Dodgers. Well, Stan Kasten runs the Los Angeles Dodgers. Uh, I'm looking for, Aaron, you told me what was offered. I can't find it. Uh, Yassel, Yassel it was Puig. Puig. It was Puig. What is Puig's contract situation? I think he's got one more year after this year. Okay. Yeah, I mean, one more year. Would you have done that deal? No, I would. I don't want Yasiel Puig on my team. A couple of Titanic shots in the playoffs. <laughs> I know. All right, it's time to bring in Scott Van Pelt for his weekly visit. Uh, a couple things to talk to you about. We we don't really have to talk about Maryland this week. I think we covered that last week. They've got a chance to be bowl eligible football wise on Saturday. Um, with a win at Indiana, I don't think that that's like a sure thing. What, what is that number? I haven't even looked at the number. What, what's the number on Saturday? I think it opened around two or three, and then it seems like it's gone down to like one or a pick. I don't know. I hadn't looked. I hadn't looked uh, today. I, but it, that, it's, it's floating around in that ballpark. All right. Here's my one question, Maryland question, and we'll save basketball talk for another time. Um, are you like really fired up to see him bowl eligible? I'd love it if they were, for 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 them, for all, I mean for the for them like they have the, the the team the kids that are that are part of this that have tried to honor their teammates that have tried to stay together that have run out into a stadium that has not one student in it not one like the worst student oh. the worst student support in the country in Power Five football and that's what the, that's what it is is that true uh, uh, it, there's not there's not a like does Rutgers get a better crowd I, I don't I don't know you want to argue about Rutgers. Well, no, you made it. You made it. You made it definitive. You made it. You made a very Kevin, definitive statement Rut- there. I'm Rutgers, wondering if it is the worst. Rutgers has a mob section, so they do get more people in, <laughs> at their games. Hey, hey, hey! Settle down with that. I, 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 I don't. I don't know if it's the worst. I just know that. I will put it this way: Rutgers stinks. Maryland came out last Saturday, uh, five and three. And a chance to go bowl eligible against a good team, and no, and there's you know there's an empty student section, and it's it's just you know, whatever. That's apparently that's what they do now. They don't they come tailgate and don't go in for a few minutes. Um, and if if they were bowl eligible, I think it'd be great, given given all that they've had to deal with, and um, and all the rest. Yeah, I'd love to see him be bowl eligible. Your your phone just faded there at the end, but I think you said you'd love to see him bowl eligible. Be bowl eligible. I, 
I, I look. I mean, I, this wasn't the plan here, but and we've talked about this a lot. I don't know that we've done it a lot on the air, but what has to change? Because it really is. I mean, I, I, I wasn't trying to be argumentative. I was just curious in my own mind as to whether or not it was truly the worst um, in terms of student support for a Power 5 program. But what has to change? I mean, it's been forever since they've really had legitimate student support. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, I don't know. I have no idea. There's there's people that will point out the, the the game experience, the stadium itself. You know, the jumbotrons are terrible. The the audio is terrible. And all these things feel like um, I don't know. They feel like excuses to me. Uh, sure, the the stadium experience could be better, um, but I, I just I don't know. I mean, they they did something this year where they were offering like a five thousand dollars scholarship, but you had to be present in the second half. Like it's like a bribe to stay and then i think if i read things correctly the first three people who who won weren't there so <laughs> really I mean, look it, that's what i yeah now, now i don't know if that's accurate enough but that's, that's aaron says it's true uh, oh yeah. yeah they they it starts in the middle of the third quarter they'll read it they'll say hey you have five minutes to re- report then 15 minutes later you hear oh here's another name and then 15 minutes later, usually it takes three or four to get someone if they ever get someone right so that's i mean and here's the thing. I mean, this is. I'm always afraid that I come off uh, like the angry old man. Is that my thing? Like you're in college for a really brief period of time, unless you're me, and it takes you know forever. <laughs> um, but but if you, when you're there, you, you, like going to games is something that typically is some is, is fun. People enjoy going to games, and I get now that if you if you can't be on your phone for three hours, that's the fate. You know, worse than any other uh, any other purgatory that you could be uh, immersed in. <laughs> um, but now, like, it seems like Maryland students want to. Like, everybody keeps saying, "Well, what can you? What, what enticements can you give them?" Get, you, you're not supposed to get anything. You're supposed to give support. You're supposed to go cheer on your team because that's what you do. But for some reason, it's like they want something. What do you want? Like, it's it's three hours on a Saturday. Go to the game. Uh, but no one wants to go. And listen, here's the thing: if you don't want to, you don't have to. I just think it's it's too bad because that's part of a college experience. It, but, not but, the only part. But not the only part, but a part. You're looking at a generational look. I know in pockets and places it's not a problem, but generally attendance at live sports is is a problem these days. And mm-hmm. uh, you're just looking at a generation that doesn't value it compared to the, uh, other things. There's all but, of but that. I just. I just I, I, I disagree with it in this way, and I understand that, it, that that there's that part of that is accurate. But I also turn on the TV on Saturday, and I see student sections all across the country that have people in them. And it'd be one thing if it was sparse. It'd be one thing if it's just like, yeah, it's half full. There's nobody there. Yeah, I, I and I just I don't know when that happened. I don't know when the mass decision was. Nope, not going. Uh, and, and I was, I, uh, some students, um, asked me, there was like a, there was an email, um, I'm going to be down there next week at a panel at the, uh, at the Merrill College of Journalism. And I, there was an email that was sent to me asking me a bunch of questions about this. Like, why do you think it is and this and that? And I, I said a lot of these same answers there. Um, you do see other places where there's, there's not as much support, but I, I don't, I haven't seen anywhere where it just fell off the map entirely and people said well do you think it's about this year and what happened with jordan mcnair and i i don't know um 
But, I mean, last week students on campus were rallying for him, support him, support the team, and then you have a chance to come support the team on Saturday, and no one's there. So I, I really haven't got the slightest idea what the issue is um, and and why it, it, it seems to have gotten as bad as it's gotten. Yeah, no, we we've seen it even before. We've seen it the last few years. I, I I was gonna I was gonna say that with respect to what Tommy said, I, I I think I agree with you. I think the college football experience, Tommy, is different. You know, you hear from teenage kids who go to these small liberal arts schools that don't have football. God, I wish I were at a university that had football in the fall because it's like this thing for college students to be at a school where you've got legitimate Division One football to make you know to go to a football game on a Saturday it's part of the college experience when it's available and for some reason my my point is it doesn't have to do with the same reasons that attendance is down at other sporting events you know the convenience the cost etc this is something that is really inexplicable although you know I've told you this that the kid the kids that I know that go to Maryland including my son they say it's just not a great experience, the stadium, and 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 a lot of it. Although he goes to games, but I, you know, he's hardcore. They're Kevin, just yeah. College football attendance last year had the biggest drop it's ever had. It was down three percent. Well, again, we're talking about the student section here, specifically okay. the student section, not overall attendance. Okay, um, I can't speak to that. You know, the, the stu- there's just Scott said it. It's not even sparse. It didn't exist. Oh, I know. I saw the pictures. A, a few a, in a few games this year. Uh, all right, it's just a bummer to me. Bummer, just a bummer, especially given all the teams dealt with. You know, it'd be, it would have been really cool for them to come out and see, uh, you know a bunch of people there um, but there, there's there's as we know there are many 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 issues uh that, that maryland football needs to uh to sort through so uh, yeah. this is this is just just one of them well i mean i can't uh, what would be interesting is to see next year you know or at some point what would happen if they had a five and oh start were ranked 14th in the country and they were playing michigan at home like w- would you get a full student section for that game i think that's about the only situation where you would get a, a huge response i, I want to stick with college football for a moment the the four teams the top four were Bama Clemson Notre Dame and Michigan do you see a team or give me the team outside of the top four that you think is most likely to get in there when it's all said and done well the, the most direct path would, would clearly be Georgia just right. you get to play Alabama, but you don't, but, but, but you but wouldn't you, pick you, them you, you use the word likely yeah. I mean there'll be a there'll be a significant underdog in that game um I guess I guess it would be Oklahoma um, because they'll have an opportunity to be a um, conference champion and um, they could, in theory, jump over somebody else. Uh, I mean, it's going to require it's going to require Michigan losing to Ohio State. Um, and I, whoever comes out of the Big Ten West, I don't imagine will present uh, a real obstacle to them if they were to win. Like we, I had this conversation with Reese Davis the other night. Like, if Georgia were to knock off Alabama, given how good Alabama has looked, and given what the, the the weight that Alabama clearly carries with the committee, could they get in with a loss? Well, they're not gonna if they lose to Georgia and nobody else loses, because Clemson, Notre Dame, and Michigan will get in along with Georgia if if, if the status quo holds. Um, so, I mean, really, what you what you're asking is like, who has a path that's realistic? I don't know what I don't know how realistic Oklahoma's path is, absent people in front of them losing you know what i mean well the path um, would be ohio states but i don't think it's likely because i don't think they'll beat michigan and i think they could lose i think they could lose this weekend michigan state. 
Yeah, I agree. And, and also, just look at look at how I mean they're they're the lowest one loss Power Five team. They're tenth. So if they beat Michigan, and I've seen I've seen early numbers that indicate they'll be an underdog in that game at, at home. At home, they'll be an underdog. Wow. Well, I mean, I, I, I to me, Michigan deserves that respect. I think they're that good. Um. Yeah, I mean, their defense certainly looks the part at the moment. Um, but even, but you still, you're talking about an Ohio State team at home that's beaten Michigan seemingly forever in a row, and they'd be a dog at home. That's just that's quite a, 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 a massive shift in terms of perception. But whatever, you're, the, the 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 team that, that could most likely get there, I guess, is um, is Oklahoma, just because yeah. their their path doesn't include Alabama. Um, but again, it needs them. It needs more help. Um, I think the, the game that's most interesting, and I haven't heard one person say say it yet, is Syracuse at Notre Dame. Uh, Syracuse is good, and they're capable. They 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 had Clemson on the ropes in uh, at Clemson um, back a month a month and a yeah. half ago when uh, when Lawrence got hurt in that game. Um, but their offense is good. They're, it's versatile. It's multiple. Notre Dame hasn't looked. I mean. They're in a three-point game with Northwestern. They were in a, in a, in a one-score game with Pitt. Pittsburgh's playing much better lately, but they they look far from invincible. Um, they just, you know, they're they, they're winning games, and that's good enough. But Syracuse is good enough to test them for sure. I I agree with you that on that, and you just reminded me of that Clemson game because it wasn't just about Trevor Lawrence getting hurt. If if my memory serves me correctly, they had the lead early before he got hurt, and Clemson hasn't had, you know, they they haven't been tested by anybody else. Well, the A and M game on the road, right? That was uh, really yeah. early in the season. Um, yeah. you said something that. I don't know that I agree with, but then again, I don't know who would get bounced. I guess it would be Michigan, but I just don't see Alabama losing to Georgia and not getting in as a one-loss team after what we watched last week and have watched all year long. I, I, okay, but 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 okay. So, but think take, take, think through that exercise. All right. So so let's let's presume that, that Clemson continues and holds serve and they win the ACC. By they're, they're clearly in because they're the one A to Alabama's one. If Notre Dame stays unbeaten, they're Notre Dame. They're getting in. And if Michigan uh, wins the Big Ten, they're in. Those those are those three. They're in. Right. If Alabama loses to Georgia, Georgia's in. They beat them head to head and they have one loss each. And Alabama, Alabama benefited greatly last year from not losing late. They lost before the conference final. And everybody knew that they were so banged up on defense. I think they talked themselves into, you know what, they're going to get these guys back and they're going to be really, really good. And then that proved to be accurate. But there's just not a spot for them well, if they lose. Well, who's, I mean, I... Who comes at the expense of it? Michigan. Who, 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 Michigan. Michigan? Yeah. I, look, I, I'm not saying that the numbers and the quantifiable part of the exercise of determining the teams would put uh, Alabama in front of Michigan. Schedule, you know, wouldn't do that. And you've got the conference champion thing. But we've watched, we've watched a team that looks like really it could be the greatest team of all time. And if they lose to Georgia, you know, part of that would be context. What if they lost a controversial uh, SEC title game to Georgia? What if they lost mm-hmm. a, just one of the greatest games we've ever seen, you know, 38-35 in double overtime? And Bama sure. was uh, – so Okay, I, both of you. You're TV programmers. Are uh, you leaving Alabama in or out? In, in that yeah, – I, I always 
I, I always make that point, Tommy, when it comes to the NCAA basketball tournament. Never forget it's a television show, right? And and, and in, in this case, we actually have the rights to this. Well, I'm, you know, it's a, t- it's a television show. We're not in the room going, hey, you know, we can really that. do such and such. But 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 in this case, I would say from from a television standpoint, Split it would decision. be far better to have Michigan than Alabama. Yeah, it might really? be. Yeah, yeah. Get, yes. Well, then that's without question. I, I'm surprised. T- tell tell them why, Scott. All right, if you have if you have Alabama. The, the, the South's going to show up to watch the game no matter what. Okay. Um, the, the ratings there are going to be great with or without Alabama. You get Michigan now. All of a sudden, you get all of the bit, all of the big Midwest cities, and your, your ratings are better. That's the, that was always the fun thing. Whenever we would have these discussions slash arguments with college football fans, you guys want you're such uh, SEC biased, uh, blah 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 blah, like you know with Ohio State people, and you'd have to say no, no, no. What you're missing is that actually. If Ohio State's involved, it's far, far better from a television rating standpoint, as it would be okay. if it were Michigan versus two SEC teams. There's no question in my mind that it. that is true. Um, but the, the, just to circle back, Kevin, to the, the point you're making about about we think they could be one of the great yada yada. Uh, yeah, I got eyes. You know, I, I get all the games. I watch them. It's clear they're great. But if they lost to Georgia, what would their wins be? They'd have they'd have oh, a win oh, at LSU. LSU. And they'd have a win over an Auburn team that, that, that is not what anyone thought it was going to be. And they'd have a win over Mississippi State, which, okay, they're, they're not bad, but they're not whatever. It, there just wouldn't be a ton there. You could counter with, well, then, okay, cool, what's Michigan got? And I guess the answer would be they would have a win at Ohio State, but right. they weren't what people thought. So, I, I mean, this is where it gets into you know splitting hairs. I get it. but uh, Alabama's win at LSU, LSU would be more – impressive than Michigan's win at Columbus. Ohio State's not as good as LSU in my in my view. And Michigan, you know, other other than that, who did they, you know, they lost to Notre Dame. That was another question I was going to ask you. I think the answer is really easy and I talked to Tim Murray on the show yesterday about this. I think if it comes down to a one-loss Notre Dame, let's assume they lose to Syracuse. Uh, you know, or th- that's that's the given. Um, Michigan goes over Notre Dame even though they lost. I I would think that that would be the case by the time we got to selection day that they the Michigan's momentum and that loss came so early, um, Michigan would just look like the better team. Yeah, um, I, I, I would agree with that. Um, but, I mean, I, I think between now between now and, you know, December 2nd or whatever that Saturday is when conference championship games are played, and this year, frankly, will be pretty anticlimactic. I mean, who the hell is even representing the Big Ten West or the ACC Coastal? Right. Who is it? Um I, something, something, something goofy will happen. I'm just seeing right now that Ian Book from Notre Dame is going to likely yeah. miss the uh, game against Florida State. Um, you know that changes them. Uh, but I mean, Florida State has been, and I know because I backed them in winners. It's like, <laughs> boy, they're not the right side. Yeah. <laughs> just, um, keep waiting to see if some version of Florida State that looks like the Florida State from, from your from memories, and they don't exist. But something silly will happen. Somebody will lose you don't expect. It. Just, you know, it's hard to. I mean, if we knew now, we would obviously. I think George. I think Georgia could lose Saturday night. Do they play Auburn? Auburn's actually played a little bit better recently, and you know what? I mean, they'll beat Georgia Tech. You know, but Georgia Tech's one of those dangerous teams. I I just don't see any way in hell this year Alabama loses to Georgia. Uh, I I think I actually think, and I, I I've not looked at the board yet except for tonight's games, and I don't I don't have a smell test pick today. I sort of liked Carolina, but. Um, I don't. I don't love them, but the um, I kind of like Mississippi State. I saw that number. That number's not super high against Bam on no, Saturday. But, 
It's like yeah, 22, they're, right? They're quarterback. Yeah, but he cannot throw the football. No, he can't. Uh, but their de- their defense may be as good as Bama's and LSU's. They're 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 very very good. But I I just I'd say as someone who backed them against LSU on the road, <laughs> where their their defense kept them in that game, um, and you watched the the Fitzgerald unable to throw the football. Um, I mean, like that's the kind of game that, that, that if Bama gets their customary 21 points in the first quarter you not the game is no over it's, and, it's over then but the, but the line yeah. is relatively speaking the game's in Tuscaloosa put it this way if last Saturday night's game had been in Tuscaloosa Bama would have been a 20 point favorite they were 14 point favorite on the road they would have been close to a 20 point favorite at home and that was against LSU they're laying 23 and a half after that performance last Saturday night I think that's short I think Miss Yeah, but you remember what we talked about last week. Like what's what's the what's the residual uh, the handover of that game? You know, the, I know. the amount that you invest emotionally and physically to win that game. Like are you likely to be as as razor sharp and, and have I'm saying I like Mississippi State for all those reasons. Yeah, well, I, I get that. I, I, that's, but that's what I'm saying. I think the numbers involved. That you know what? It's your small test. Give them out. I, I, no, I, I want to know. That. I want to know what, what you've identified just real quickly because we're we're, we're going long on this segment, even though I've very much yeah, so enjoyed Tennessee. it. Tennessee, Tennessee at home against Kentucky. I feel like I feel like they're sneaky. Arkansas against LSU for the same reason. The week after Alabama, um, I, Iowa's given a lot of points, and I didn't yeah. give out a favor this week. I think they may win by thirty-eight to seven. You never give out favorites. I know, but when I do, they always win. <laughs> <laughs> um, I was going to ask you about Duke, but so j- just just give me one oh quick word. Yeah. Oh my god! The thing about talent when you when you assemble all these all stars and try to mesh them together is that it doesn't always add up to something, right? You can have a bunch of individual ingredients that on their own are really good, but do they add up to anything that's cohesive? Um, that's one. That's one forty-minute snapshot of what they are, but it's it is. I mean, they scored one hundred and eighteen points and made Kentucky look like Lenore Ryan or something. You know, like one of those scores you play in in November that has no chance. They're not supposed to compete. Uh, I, 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 they won't play that well every night, obviously. But if that's their ceiling, then no one's close to them this year. I, I will say this about the game, and I had Gary on the show yesterday, and he 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 had the same sort of jaw dropping, you know. Uh, moment watching them the other night. I don't see how Zion Williamson wouldn't be the first pick in the draft. I mean, I Barrett's great, and the guy that I had a chance to see last year, Cam Reddish, is great. But Williamson mm. looks like a complete and utter NBA game changer to me. Uh, and that's the first know. time I've seen him, and we, we've got 37 or 38 games left to watch Duke this year. But that dude at 6'7 and 285... To have the skill that he has, he just he looks like a complete, you know, an utter impact player day one in the NBA. Well, you had Steve Kerr. I don't know if you saw his comments. It was very funny because he was talking about him, and then he realized as he was thinking aloud, you're not allowed to do that. Steve and Kerr was talking about who? Williamson? Yeah, and then as he was, he said, you know, I thought LeBron was only going to ever see one of them, but it looks like there's another, and then he, and you're not, you know, he's a freshman and he can't do all that, so he started openly lobbying not to get fined as he was saying it, but I, I don't know, I just, I always find Kerr entertaining, but... Are they he, not I, I allowed to talk about college basketball players? Why wouldn't an NBA coach be able to talk about college basketball he's players? he's a freshman, he's not, an, he's not a draft-eligible player. Oh. 
Okay. So you, you're you're not you're not supposed to do those types of things. But I mean, I think you know you're allowed to have eyes and say, "Wow, that that dude just looks different." I, I didn't. I think I had dismissed him as like a YouTube dunker. You know, a guy that okay, I get it. Let's see how he did. He's playing against children. You know, like like think about think about your think about what your oldest son, or excuse me, your youngest son. You know, like imagine him like out there in high school last year trying to guard Zion. Well, his 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 team played Cam Reddish's team, but it wasn't as it wasn't Zion Williamson. That's for sure. No, again, but it wasn't a seventeen year old boy against that. Yeah. So. I wasn't sure how it would translate, oh, but he's on the floor with a bunch of five-star guys the other night, and he just looked different. But people just they love RJ Barrett because they think he's got more ways to impact the game. But I mean, look, he's if, good. if Zion doesn't go one, he'll go two. So, so I, know, well, I know we're long. I'll stop talking. Why are the Wizards pretending to even win games this year? Then? <laughs> they shouldn't. I don't know. Uh, I said the other night. No, I just said here. I just said the Wizards stink. I said they don't guard anybody. They don't run anything. It's they're just it's it's. it's you know, and again, like I talked about talent. It's not that they don't have talent, but the talent they have doesn't add up to anything. Did you say they don't run anything? I did. Yeah, they don't, they don't <laughs> run. They that's, don't. Just directly, they don't. that's directly don't. stolen from you. They don't run anything. Um, but, God, he's a good guy. Uh, all right, that's it. Thank you for that. That Thank was fun. You, Scott. Yep. Enjoyed the conversation as always. Have a good day, boys. Right. Scott Van Pelt, everybody. Let's get to Tommy's favorite, the NFL Power Poll. Rank them one to five. It's time for our weekly NFL Power Poll. All right, top five, couple teams to keep an eye on. I'll go first because you're in your phone trying to figure it out right now. The number one, oh, like we go five to to one, right? Uh, it's, it's my favorite you're segment. You're such a train wreck And I don't sometimes. even know. You really are. I am. I'm, I'm disorganized today, too. Uh, number five is Carolina. I mean, Carolina now at six and two. That's ridiculous. Uh, moves into my top five That's uh, teams. And you I, might want to revisit that. I can't wait to see them tonight on the road against the Steelers. I actually like Carolina plus the number. It just doesn't really fit with sort of the smell test criteria. But I, I'm interested in that game tonight. Should be a really, really good football game. Um, number four... Uh, uh, are the Kansas City Chiefs? I'm still not a believer in I them. I guess not. Well, you would put the Panthers in the top five. I put the Panthers That's in the top five. I did. I put I them. I can't in... believe you did that. I don't care. Yeah, I believe it. You just heard it, right? It's they're in the top five. <laughs> look at the look you give me. Oh, it's just ridiculous. Why they're six and two? Why is that ridiculous? You saw them play against the Redskins. Uh, How could you put them in the top five? Okay, you want to know why they're in the top five, Tommy? Because for the first time in a few years, they have a lot offensively. And I will start with this offensively. They have Norv Turner. We can say all the things about Norv Turner that we want when it comes to him being a head coach. And you know what? They're all true. And I didn't really get it. I actually thought he was going to be a good head coach when he was in Washington. I thought eventually he would figure it out because I loved him as an offensive coordinator. And he's been a great offensive coordinator. Tommy, they got weapons for the first time. McCaffrey's a star. Funches, Samuel, Moore. Inept. Uh, it, Terrible game plan. Well, it, 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 at the very end, they had it. You know, they were right down there with a chance. And look at the play calling at the end. It was horrific. Uh, you're right. It was. They could have run the ball down there at the end. Um, good points. Good comebacks there. I just like I like Carolina right now. It's so condescending. And they're, no, I'm being serious. You're right. You reminded me. I thought the, the, the play calling on that final drive with under a minute to go, they stopped running the football. Running the football should have still been in the plan there with the, the, the timeout situation that they had. Carolina's five, all right? 
they're my fifth best team. Kansas City's four uh, of the four teams that are the obvious top four right now. Actually, there's an obvious top five, but go ahead. Um, they're my number. Well, you got, there's not an obvious top yes, five. There's there a is. debatable there's, fifth. There's five and elite teams, and I just and then there's the and rest I just of the gave league. you Carolina over the Chargers and the Steelers and oh anybody else gosh. that you're thinking about. Um, Kansas City of the four remaining to me is the one without a defense and the one that will be most vulnerable when we get to the postseason. The third best team are the New England Patriots. Um, I still like New England, but I think at times defensively they've got some issues. uh, And they needed a turnover really there in the fourth quarter to – I, that, that, that What a disappointing ending to Green Bay, New England. Sort of the same with the Rams and the Saints because it was a great game for like three and a half quarters, and then it ended um, uh, disappointingly. But I've got New England at three. I've got, obviously at this point, the Rams at two and the Saints as the number one team in the NFL. Go ahead, give me your five and the order of the other four. Okay, let me make this simple for you because there's only five elite teams, and then there's everybody else. The Chargers are number five. I don't you know see how, much, how you could possibly leave the Chargers. It's out interesting of the top. that they've won like twelve out of their last fourteen games. And I, period. And I and look at look at the teams they've lost to, and look at the teams they've beaten in those twelve out of fourteen. That that's the only thing I would say. That was an impressive win last week at Seattle. And you know this, Tommy. I am sort of a closet Charger fan because I love Philip Rivers. They could be in there next week. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. You like Philip Rivers? <laughs> I didn't know get that. Get to your top four. Okay. New England Patriots at number four. Los Angeles Rams at number three. Kansas City Chiefs, I think you're really underestimating that they'll be better at the end of the season than they are now. And uh, the New Orleans Saints at number one. Simple as that. All right. That was that was quick, wasn't it? Yes, it was. Fast quick, enough quick for you? Quick and painful. All right. Uh, I enjoyed this, as always, with you. Uh, you'll be back next week. You want to give me a quick pick on the Redskins game before – uh, Tampa wins, uh, 31 to 20, 31 to 20. Mm. Uh, all right. What's your, you'll wait till tomorrow. I'm going to save it for tomorrow. Of course. Um, I actually thought that you might be a little bit closer than 31, 20. You, you might be right. I think this is not a great matchup for them Sunday. I will say that right now. Uh, but maybe I'll change my mind between right now and tomorrow at the I'm end of the show. I bet you will. I'm pretty sure I won't. Um, <laughs> but I like him next week, I think. Uh, thanks to Scott. Thanks to Aaron. Thanks to all of you. Have a great day.